This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, with Congress's recent passing of the Inflation Reduction Act, some of the conversation both during and in negotiations and afterwards was around the impact of tax components of the bill. With more on that, pleasure to welcome back to the show Jennifer Blowen, who is a professor of accounting at the Wharton School. Jennifer, hope you're doing well. I am. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. And so let me, I guess, start out just your general thoughts on the tax components as part of the Inflation Reduction Act and and the potential impact that they might have. Well, uh, effectively, I think the tax components are all increases on the business sector. So I don't think it's necessarily good news for, you know, investment in the short term or, you know, potentially in the long run. So one of the elements uh, that may have been in there and was removed was around carried interest. Uh, But that was uh, pulled back and you have the excise tax on uh, stock buybacks. Uh, Talk a little bit about the impact of of having this in the bill. Well, I I think that... For the life of me, I I fail to understand why Congress views stock buybacks or repurchases as as a bad thing relative to a dividend, um, which in both cases are distribution of funds from corporations to their shareholders. And and what we know is that these are distributions that that are made because the company is essentially saying, hey, we have this excess cash. We don't have a great thing to do with it, so we're going to pass it back to our investors so that they can invest. So uh, for, for whatever reason, Congress thinks that stock buybacks are a bad thing, and they're going to impose this 1% excise tax. Um, what, you know, and, and there's some, you know, initially my concern had been is, you know, some sh- share buyback plans are to monitor or, excuse me, to maintain companies' share repurchase, uh, excuse me, um, stock compensation for their employees. But fortunately, that was carved out. So if firms buy back shares and then, you know, distribute or sell those shares to employees, that's negated. But what it seems to really be attacking is this distribution of excess funds. And it it could cover a whole host of transactions, what we call call these redemptions, is any time a company buys back its shares. And there's even been some inkling that it might affect SPAC activity, um, just sort of some you know, capital structure reorganization. And all in all, I just don't think it's a terribly well-designed tax that is going to necessarily raise a lot of revenue because the firm could just pay a dividend instead. So we'll see does what this happens to the M&A market. Go ahead. Does this potentially also have an impact, something you mentioned about uh, access to capital as well? That's right, because if firms aren't going to be putting out this access to capital, that's what they're doing is they're distributing this funds back into the economy, then that further shrinks the supply of cash out there available for investment. And as we know, with surging interest rates, it's become harder to lend, and, and companies are, need this access to camp- capitals, particularly the entrepreneurial or startup sector. Let me switch to the IRS because uh, lots of discussion there about – uh, how this will impact impact their operations and the funding uh, that it will be receiving. Uh, a good bit of that uh, going towards enforcement uh, of uh, of uh, of back uh, monies due to the government. Part of it also uh, to improving the IRS 
in terms of the longer term moving forward from a technology perspective. Give us your thoughts on the, on the funding to the IRS. I, I have to think that this is good news. I, I mean, I think our our IRS should be provided the best tools to, to combat, you know, tax avoidance and lack of payment. I think the estimate right now is there's about a $441 billion tax gap. And to the extent that we can get the IRS up into the 21st century in terms of technology, I, I, I think that's a, a very good thing. Um, now, you know, I've, I've read, I think, Janet Yellen put out a letter that's saying, hey, listen, we want enforcement. You know, this is to help enforcement, but we're not going to target any taxpayer with less than $400,000 worth of income. Right. And, you know, I, I can't help but be a little bit tongue-in-cheek here, which says, well, if if a taxpayer isn't reporting their income, then how do you know they have more than or less than $400,000? They would have more than, less than $400,000 of income when perhaps they should have more and so I, I think there's a little bit of management of the public perception about where these enforcement dollars are going to go. Um, what we know from the tax gap is, is those where we're lacking payment is primarily from individual taxpayers. It's not from the corporate sector. It's things that um, come from small businesses, right? People that run their own businesses, self-employed, where we see very low or, or, or large amounts of taxes not being collected seems to be from these types of entities, and it comes down into payroll taxes. So, you know, but is that a good thing or a bad thing? Frankly, I, I think anything where we can improve the collection of taxes that are really owed to the government is a good thing. Let's just hope they, they use that money wisely. But as you mentioned as well, the, it not only looking back, but looking forward in terms of uh, the process uh, of of filing your taxes and making the IRS a more up-to-date uh, technological, from a technological side, an up-to-date organization, that per, uh, potentially gives benefits longer term for uh, what the IRS will be able to do in, in the normal course of operations. Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the machinery underlying the IRS, is, as I last Recalled, somebody said they were looking for COBOL programmers, right? I mean, there's just <laughs> languages that they were using and their systems are, are, are so old that, you know, they, they really do need the dollars to upgrade. So that will be fantastic, but I, I haven't seen the breakout between what will be going to systems versus what will be actually going to, you know, increasing field agents' um, headcount to, to go out and do more audits. But Overall, I, I, I can't quibble with the, the monies being provided to the IRS. I think that is a good thing. Um, it's just more or less what, what the ultimate punchline is for this bill. It's, it's being you know, touted as a deficit reduction act, and there's a lot more spends here than I think than necessarily revenue raise, raises yeah. once we look at some of the phase-outs. But fingers crossed, at least we'll close some of that tax gap. And, and your thoughts on the, on the 15% tax on corporations' profits? Oh, I just, I think we've talked about this in the past. I do not think this is a good idea. I think we're introducing just an enormous amount of complexity into the system. Um, we just talked about helping the IRS out, right, in their collections. Well, implementing this tax isn't certainly going to help them in, in any way, shape, or form. It's very complex. It's hard to define. Uh, you know, we understand from a political perspective, it's, it's always great to say, hey, listen, you show so much more earnings on your financial statements. You know, you should pay a function of your financial statements. 
but the earnings and the financial statements are something to reflect, you know, whether or not you should make an investment in this company. It's, it's not to reflect policies that we set by the government to help incentivize investment. So even though they made some tweaks at the, the 11th hour, which says, you know, we're not going to penalize firms for taking advantage of what we call bonus depreciation, right, making large capital investments and getting a tax deduction for it, mm-hmm. um, they certainly in the long run are, are, are trying to disincentivize companies to, you know, put their best foot forward into their financial statements. And I know that the world of accountants everywhere are just groaning when we, we they implemented these rules because at the margin, you know, what we'll now want to do or companies will want to do is maybe report a slightly lower revenue amount instead of a higher revenue amount. Why? Because that's going to be affecting the cash flows for their taxes. And so I, I don't think it's necessarily that the stock market's going to collapse, but I think what will happen is companies might run de- round down on the face of their income statement and just put a whole lot more words in yep. the body of the footnotes, which, again, makes it tougher for the average retail investor to wade through a set of financial statements and understand what's going on. So we'll see how much revenue it ultimately collects. Yep. Um, and they have a nice rosy number, but at the end of the day, I think it's going to be extraordinarily complex to implement. Jennifer, great to have you with us. Thanks very much. All the best. Take, take care. You too. Thank you, Jennifer Bluen, who is a professor of accounting here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.